it's finally happening. eSuite's e-commerce accelerator program is kicking off on the 14th of March. Over 10 weeks, I am going to take you through the foundations of e-commerce, including strategy, marketing, technology, finance, analytics, and supply chain. You'll even leave with an official Shopify certification. Each week, I will host a two-hour live session, which will be supported by templates, case studies, and resources to accelerate your e-commerce career. Whether you're looking to get into e-commerce, want to upskill in e-commerce, or just want a refresher, we'd love to see you there. The waitlist is now open, and if you join the waitlist, you'll be the first to know when the accelerator is open for registration, and you even get a coupon for $500 off the registration price. No commitment required at this stage. To read more and join the waitlist, head on over to esuitetalent.com.au forward slash accelerator. That's esuitetalent.com.au forward slash accelerator. I look forward to seeing you in there. We just didn't anticipate initially opening an online store. And in hindsight, that should be the first thing we did. You know? <laughs> Retail, the industry itself, it's the biggest employer of young people. And youth homelessness is the most represented group of people who are experiencing it. So it's the perfect marriage to make. It's just funny, like you sort of put something into the universe without being too airy-fairy. And that notion of authenticity, it seems to just attract and breed some incredible talent. Welcome to Add to Cart, Australia's leading e-commerce podcast that Express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of online retail. Every week, Nathan Bush from eSuite and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and director at e-commerce talent agency, eSuite. Did you know that there are 120,000 Australians who experience homelessness every night in Australia? And of those, 60% are under 35 and 40% under 25. I didn't realize the magnitude of the problem or the ways that homelessness is in our society but often goes ignored or undetected through the different ways people can be homeless or at risk of being homeless. Today's guest helped shine a light on that for me. He is the CEO and the co-founder of Homey, a social enterprise that aims to break down the stigma associated with homelessness and those experiencing it rough on the streets. They do this through their ultra-cool fashion label called Homey, their upcycled reborn range, and their very cool Pathway Alliance program that helps disadvantaged youth kickstart their career in retail. In this episode, we go on a journey with Nick on how he went from studying journalism and being a manny, yes, a real-life manny, to creating a business with purpose that is today known as Homie. We also dive into the unique size guides that Homie uses online, the tools that they use for online accessibility, and why saying no to opportunities has opened up more doors than saying yes. So, thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Signet, let's get into it. Here is our conversation with Nick Pierce, CEO and co-founder of Homey. Nick, welcome to Add to Cart. Thank you for having me, Nathan. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining us. I know you are joining us from the uh, middle of a Melbourne summer, and I can see that you're in your uh, kid's bedroom with some tigers, paraphernalia. I think you're indoctrinating your young young child there. 
I am. I hope you can't hear him. He's actually just started crying in the background. Um, but um, no, sorry, Nathan, you've got, you got to start him early. And uh, I, I am very much a, a shameless Tiger supporter. Uh, and yes, I do have the uh, three most recent premiership posters uh, immortalised uh, in lamination above his cot. So unfortunately, whether he likes it or not, <laughs> from day one, he's a Tiger. Well, what the listeners can't see is that you've actually got photos of, of your child around and it's, you've got the dusty haircut, which is a bit odd. Ah, uh, well, mate, I, I'd say a, a, a poor man's dusty haircut and that he's got a lot more coverage than myself, but um, I'd, I'd love to think that I could um, regain that, but unless there's a miraculous hair growth formula, <laughs> which could be a great e-com initiative, obviously, if someone can crack the, uh, the code of uh, <laughs> hair regrowth, then I think um, you're, you're on to a winner. But um, no, so I, um, yeah, I, I live and breathe it. I live in Richmond. My partner, Danny, is, is not a supporter of the Tigers. She's a Collingwood supporter supporter which is almost blasphemy but um we make it work beautiful now we're not here to talk about football even though we could but i think (laughs) melbourne is very important to your story and obviously melbourne being afl heartland you are very ingrained in the melbourne community Mm. for those who don't know homie tell us about homie and what you guys do yeah thanks and you're right nathan we are we are very very melbourne i guess the best way to put it is that we're an organisation, but we're also a streetwear clothing company and we use the profits from our sales to support young people affected by homeless or hardship. So we kind of, we're an interesting hybrid and a unicorn in that we're a registered charity and we have a lot of sort of charitable activities and endeavours, but we also have this commercial entity, which is our streetwear clothing and the label Homie, which is really about trying to make hearing cool and impact really tangible for consumers. So you know, we like to think of ourselves as sort of, in a lot of ways, a full complement of both quality products, but also real meaning behind purchase. So it's an interesting hybrid, but I think um, there's a lot of organisations that are appearing like ours now and have been there long before us. But um, there's, a, I guess, a, a term that's coined, you know, called social enterprise, but I like to think of us as a, as a business with purpose. Yeah, it makes sense. And if anyone's Googling Homie, um, it's H O M I E because sometimes it's easier to Google along as you're listening. Of course, capital M for Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, capital M for Melbourne. So capital H O capital M I E for Homie. Check them out because what I love is that when you view Homie, you don't see it as necessarily a charity, and I, and it's you've obviously designed it this way. It feels like it comes from a fashion background first and foremost. Mm. Oh, thanks, Nathan. Yeah, look, there's an intentionality behind that, absolutely. And and I think it's um, charity is such an interesting thing. And, you know, there are big charities, there are small charities. There's, you know, often, I guess, a lot that happens behind the scenes. And, you know, there's also, you know, mistrust. And, you know, there's, there's just so many elements to, to these, but there's also amazing outcomes. And it's just one of those things where we kind of thought, let's just try and create a way to just make our mates really care about what we care about and make caring cool in, in quite a passive way. So rather than have a T-shirt that says like, you know, anti-homelessness kind of <laughs> homelessness sucks, et cetera, obviously we're going about it in a really subtle, unassuming, but hopefully also quite a, a savvy way, you know, in the sense that, uh, yeah, Homie is an acronym for what was initially a Facebook page called Homelessness of Melbourne. So it stands for Homelessness of Melbourne Incorporated Enterprise. And we talk about this notion of being a label for the streets, that kind of play on words and that it's streetwear clothing, but also obviously there's an association between homelessness and the streets. So, yes, um, there, there is a real intentionality there. And I guess it's ultimately around the fact that it's like um, for a consumer, we want people to think that this stuff looks and feels great before even understanding that, oh, wow, you tell me that also when I purchase something that, you know, it's going towards opportunities for young people to get into work and really make a good fist of their lives. That, that's Hopefully that just seals the deal. So it's almost, 
I guess it's a cherry on top. But yeah, I think it's important to sort of, we, we don't want to be that person rattling the tin on the corner, you know, that sort of annoying sort of person with the vest on and sort of in your face. It's sort of like, hey, you can get something that looks great for yourself and feels really good at the same time because you know that it's doing something. And then, you know, by wearing that, you become an advocate for us. And then a mate sees it and, and goes, oh, what's that about? And you can tell them about it. And, and I guess that's how we kind of see it. It's quite a guerrilla movement. Yeah. And you are so far away from the street corner. I mean, you're from what I've read, you were recently featured at Melbourne Fashion Week. Is that right? Yeah, it's been amazing. Oh, we're so lucky, I think, um, just getting so much positive sort of sentiment towards our endeavors and it's great to see that all that hard work is, is paid off and and probably more recently it's 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 around a really unique model that we have with the reborn range which is just this sort of high fashion you know for me i mean I, you guys you can probably tell by looking at me but for a for a listener very generous agency that i have a dustin martin haircut uh, i'm bald <laughs> and I, I wear uh pretty 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 uh, blank basic clothing but certainly that the reborn range is real high fashion but it's an amazing opportunity for us to kill two birds of one stone in the sense that um you know it's all repurposed upcycled garments one of a kind you know high fashion and we're talking about getting factory seconds and samples from brands like champion and then creating these one-off pieces that just um they're, they're very eye-catching they're, they're very high fashion and it's been an amazing entry point for us to make a bit of a statement around you know okay we've got this brand homie we've got this sub brand reborn homie does this for, for young people for homelessness and hardship and then reborn's doing this for the environment and we're about it save x amount from landfill and I, I guess just kind of show people that there are some really sustainable ways to do things and just trying to challenge and provoke people to question can we do more so i guess all of those endeavors are really like an extension of Yes, you can start with something, but you can build upon that and, and, and create some real purpose behind it. Yeah. And I really want to dive into what you're doing with the homeless and the youth community in Melbourne. But before we move away from the design aspect, I'm really curious around how, I'm not throwing aspersions, it's like how someone like you would be like me designing a fashion label. How do you develop and bring together a team that, that can have that cutting edge fashion and deliver the designs that are on trend and even pushing the trends a bit further? Mm. Oh, you know, a lot of luck, I think, Nathan, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I um, certainly sort of focus very much on the business component, but I'm very fortunate that one of the fellow co-founders and, and, and our creative director, Marcus, who, who I met overseas and sort of was part of the, the nucleus of, of Homie, has, has really been driving that. And if you saw us, we're completely polarized. Marcus uh, really fits the bill for a North Sider. And just has amazing insight, but just has been out. We've been able to, I think, attract some incredible creators into our organization, graphic designers, collaborators. And I think um, it's just funny, like you sort of put something into the universe without being too airy fairy. And, and that notion of authenticity, it seems to just attract and breed some incredible talent. So I think we're just lucky that in some ways we've created that luck, that there's a real authenticity behind what we're trying to achieve, both from sort of impact as well as product. And fortunately, and we've come across some incredible creative people. And it really, it's all about creativity. Creativity for us, you know, we've created an innovative solution to, to, to this issue of homelessness, similar to, you know, just this medium of not only, yeah, providing direct employment opportunities, but also then how to educate people and, and generate awareness. It's all about creativity. So it just underpins sort of the entirety of our operation. So I can't take the full credit. I'd, I'd like to think that I, you know, in some ways, sometimes have a good idea, but at, at those um, those workshop meetings, I, I often tend to remain very quiet, and then often the uh, the pragmatist and the, and the sense checker around the feasibility. That's that's my role to make sure that can we actually translate this into action. Yeah, don't worry about that. I'm the I'm the head of marketing apparently at E Suite, but when it comes to anything design or colors or style 
I get no say. So I, I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to know when uh, when when to talk and uh, when to shut up. <laughs> That's right. Australian brand Rolly Nation makes footwear that is lightweight and the favourites of suitcase stuffers around the globe. So when Rolly Nation wanted to put a greater focus on direct-to-consumer, they migrated to Shopify Plus. With integrations into Gorgeous for customer service, Smile for loyalty, Clavio for direct marketing, and Okendo for customer reviews, Rolly Nation were able to deliver a site that was as lightweight as their shoes. They immediately achieved a 62% improvement in page speed, which contributed to a 3.5% increase in conversion. As Limp Biscuit would say, they're now rolling, rolling, rolling. To read more of Rolly Nation's story and to see other case studies, visit the customer sections on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. There's a new collection online that I can see. Is that an official Disney partnership that you've got going on there? Yeah, yeah, no, it is. And that's just, just incredible, really, to think that we've been able to reach out to, to, to Disney and to be on their radar. And, you know, the way that that was sort of connected was IA Reborn. You know, someone from Disney saw that, loved it, hit us up, and we thought, oh, well, Disney's one of the biggest brands in the world. If we can just get some noise happening and to, to you know, been seen to be working alongside them and have access to those assets... You know, it's an incredible opportunity. It gives us credibility, but obviously also hopefully it was a great experience for, for, for their team. And, you know, they undertook the empathetic employment training with us and that was, was awesome, wow. you know. That's so, cool. you know, a really good sort of deep, you know, commitment and connection. I think all the um the, the partners that we have, you know, that they're not transactional in the sense that, mm. you know, we, we look at sort of what, what are the other ways that we can work together, not just from obviously putting out some premium products. So, Incredible moment for us to think that the collaborations that we've had to date have been with some of the biggest brands in the world and Disney and Champion, you know, <laughs> and obviously more to come in the future. But, um, you know, I, I think um, those partnerships, yeah, they certainly aren't off a whim and they're, they're really value exchanges. And we, we ensure that obviously um, all parties are, you know, I guess generating what is what is fair and reasonable from support, exposure, awareness, because we obviously have a lot of value and a lot to, to, to mm-hmm. offer. And sometimes I think, um, you know, historically that's something that, you know, we had a bit of trepidation towards, but we've got something really valuable. And I think we've just got more and more confident as we've, we've grown to be able to sort of talk to that and understand what that value is. So yes, the, um, the, the Disney collection obviously launched um, prior to Christmas. And I think for a lot of people, it's sort of a trip down memory lane. It's really hard to get, you know, you can get obviously sort of a Disney toy at the sort of generic stores, big supermarkets and whatnot, but it's very hard to find sort of premium garments for people yeah. to relive their childhood. So yeah, I've definitely got um, a bit of an assortment in my, um, my, my closet. <laughs> Very cool. And it's like you said, exactly what you said is like, it, it's probably a sum of all those opportunities, those quick and easy opportunities you said no to because people like Disney see that you're consistently putting out quality and well-considered campaigns and creative that they can align themselves to confidently. So mm, um, mm. well done on, on having that long-term view. Thanks, Nathan. Yeah. Appreciate Last it. thing I'll, I'll say on the e-commerce side is as I was browsing through and Tell you what, I spent a lot more time browsing your site than, than a lot of others that I have in the past. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's was, good to know. I think that's really yeah, great feedback. Oh, I, I, yeah. There's, there's so much interesting interesting content in there and creative. Was your homie fit videos? So a lot of people will put up a size guide and it will be the most boring page on the website. It will often yeah. be a table with different sizes for different types of clothing, male, female. There you go. We'll translate into a few different countries and 
you work it out from there. What you've actually done is you've got videos for different sizing and different types of clothes so people can actually see it on real models. Who came Mm. up with that idea? Oh, look, that's just obviously the brand team and being hyper-considered and, you know, accessibility is such an important thing for for us, uh, you know, and diversity and inclusion as an organisation and I hope that's represented again. You can sort of feel that with, you know, obviously you see, you know, our, our models and um, you know, our talent and uh, and also sort of our internal composition. So I guess it's one of those things where we wanted to make sure that, you know, there's no one has ever felt excluded and, you know, it goes to the, to the fact that you go on our website and you can also, there's a, a tab that pop up and automatically sitting in your left-hand corner that's around accessibility. You know, it's a great plug-in from a group called UserWay where I think it just... Um, yeah, if it can twofold make someone feel more welcome and belong, you know, that increases that brand loyalty and sort of buy into, you know, understanding that we care about you as well. But also, I guess, yeah, it's just easier, isn't it? I, I find it certainly because I'm always, I hate when, you know, you're shopping around at, at different brands. Uh, I, I love shopping at different brands, but I hate when you sort of, you just don't know, does, does a large compare like for like and, you know, um, uh, yeah, there is, you know, obviously those, those side guards which are so tedious to, to see it, you know, and, and the fit and feel and, and to, to be able to add that next layer of confidence as well with someone purchased, you know, that, okay, I know it's going to feel like I can feel good about it because that's the yeah. worst feeling is when something comes and, and it doesn't and it's just like, oh, I've been, I've been hanging out for this for so long, you know, especially <laughs> during the COVID period and it rocks up and you got to send it back and yeah. take, you know, by the time you want to wear it to sort of whatever you bought it for, it's often, you know, you've missed that window. So, um yeah, exactly. So, no, I think it's just it really it's about belonging. I think, you know, as silly as that sounds, you may, may not be the answer that, you know, may have anticipated, but it's about belonging. It's about making sure people feel that, yeah, we've thought about you. You can see yourself in, in our stuff. And in terms of accessibility, obviously very important to you guys. Are there any tools that you guys use to make sure that the website is, is as accessible as possible? Yeah, I mean, this plugin that we've, we've, we've been able to integrate called UserWay is just absolutely brilliant. And I think, um, to be honest, every every website should, um, it's, it's, it's by no means, a, you know, a dear out, outgoing. And if anything, I think, you know, as I say, people who may see that, the amount of people these days, everyone's got something, things happening, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and different challenges. And if you can make life that little bit easier for people with, just say, it's, it's not having to go out of your way whatsoever, um, that, that's been an awesome tool that I've recommended to a number of friends in, in the space and, 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 you know, other businesses who've just integrated that um, from the outset because yeah. I think it's just, a, it should just be a, a fundamental. But, yeah, that's one that I can highly recommend. Great stuff. We'll put a link to it as well as your size guide into the show notes so people can check it out. Awesome. Now, I'd love to get the origin story of Homey, of how you came together with your co-founders and how you had the idea of turning into a fashion label for purpose. Yeah, um, it's interesting one in the sense that it actually harks back to an overseas trip uh, in 2013 where I met uh, Marcus, one of the co-founders of Homey, and there's been a number of people um, who've been sort of founding members. But um, we went overseas during this fundraising bicycle ride from Vietnam to Cambodia for anti-child trafficking. So, so not directly correlated to, to homelessness in Melbourne, but such an important cause and, and, and issue. And I guess we just became friends on that trip. So we rode on push bikes, I think it was about a thousand K in a week. And it was incredible. We actually ended up going back the next year, but we raised funds and awareness for one school in a really remote region of Cambodia. And what we loved about that was this, this kind of tangibility to this endeavor. And then we came home and um, what really sort of invigorated by obviously the trip and, you know, became you know, good friends. And I guess we're sort of spitballing and, and Marcus is a really talented photographer and was working in the city at General Pants and, and I was studying at uni doing journalism and um, he just sort of um, reached out and said, mate, why don't we have a chat to someone who's on the streets and just 
find out about them and, you know, kind of, you know, what can we do? And like, it's just there's so many people, you know, in the city now and I'm committing to work and I was seeing it going to uni as well. So we decided to meet just in the CBD in, in, in Melbourne Central and we just thought, let's go chat to someone. So we literally went out, saw the first person and got down to their level and looked them in the eyes and shook their hand and just said, hey, um, I'm Nick, this is Marcus, and we're just really keen to have a chat and just, you know, learn about what we can do to help. And it kind of stemmed from that. So it was amazing in that um, – for me, one of the insights was oh, I was very fortunate, you know, grew up in a uh, very supporting, loving family, middle class, you know, and had a, had a pretty easy ride of it. And the person that I spoke to, I went to a private boys' school as well, and um, the first person we spoke to went to the same school as me, albeit many, many years beforehand. But, you know, we, we knew some of the same teachers, and um, that was really confronting for me. Obviously, I was like, I just can't believe, you know, someone from my world has found themselves in this situation. And you know, the more and more we kind of spoke to people, we, we came to find that that was actually really commonplace. And there's just so much stigma behind homelessness. And it really sucked. I think we kind of were learning more and more, meeting these people and, you know, the reality of, of who they were and their situation just didn't marry up to the stigma. And we decided to initially sort of create a, a guerrilla tactics campaign um, and we, you know, adapted the, the Humans of New York model, which was really, you know, sort of engaging uh, and, and translated across to speaking to people who were experiencing homelessness. So the whole idea was that we had this sort of, you know, four-word sit, chat, listen, share sort of model. It was so easy, um, you know, in, in essence, but we would literally go and sit with someone, just say, get down to the level, shake their hand, look them in the eye and, and then share their story with the, with the community online. So I'd, I'd type it up in their own words with their consent and, and Marcus would get a really beautiful portrait and we'd share that and, that just um, really blew up. You know, we sort of eventually the stories themselves are reaching, you know, over half a million people. And it was, it was awesome to see just the traction in terms of people saying, oh, you know, I've walked past Jeff. I never knew his name every single day. And, you know, the fact that he, he loved the same music and I heard that he loved Led Zeppelin and I loved Led Zeppelin and we, we chatted about it and he was really lovely and I just wouldn't have done that if I hadn't have known that. And that was really cool. What kind of reactions were you getting from the people that you were talking with? Yeah, I think like the biggest insight from them was that, the best thing you can do for, for me and for us is I just we just feel invisible. We live the same day over and over again. And it's just actually, it doesn't have to be having a chat or, or giving money, but just even smiling, acknowledging that we exist because I think that loneliness is, is so compounding. And um, that was, yeah, just the insight that was given was like, I live the same day over and over again and no one sees me. But if someone smiles, they see me, like mm. acknowledge that I am a person and I do exist. And that was so important to us. So, you know, we started to use language and we framed this because it's true, you know, that no one was a homeless person, but rather a person experiencing homelessness. And, you know, really encouraged the community to start using that language and mm-hmm. that it was a situation and a circumstance that people could get out of with the right level of support care and opportunity and as I say it really grew organically and we were reaching a really large audience I guess we kind of thought well that's great we've got a lot of awareness out there but there's still you know it's so much stigma and we need to do some direct action you know just sort of there was something um, you know within us that we just wanted to do more we didn't really know but we just tried to do something and we saw a campaign that existed um, worldwide called the street store initiative which was a pop-up thrift shop uh, that started in South Africa and it was sort of like a global sort of phenomenon and and we did Australia's first ever one. So what we did was essentially, it's, yeah, it's like a cardboard pop-up sort of dignified shopping experience. So we invited our online community and those that we had spoken to and the services that they were connected with, um, you know, who were experiencing homeless in the city and to this kind of day event in, let me get my bearings. I think it was, uh, yeah, it was December 2014 and just before Christmas time. And it was just this really beautiful kind of dignified shopping experience that we had created and sort of bridging and creating a connection between these two communities. But 
obviously the inside again is that that's a one-day event and it, and it felt really amazing and for, for, I think for all parties concerned but at the same token you know unfortunately these people are going back to you know that same street corner and you know it's life goes on and that for us you know it was like well it's really cool and great to see that we could engage people and, and have that moment but what more what else can we do we decided to do a crowdfunding campaign and we raised about oh, 20k and we got some good sort of publicity and um, through the course of that and we're offered a pop-up shop in a physical one in Melbourne Central. And when you were do- when you were going through this, were you in a full-time job at that stage? Were you thinking that yeah. this would be something that no. you move over towards full-time or where, where are you at personally at this stage? Absolutely not. So finishing up a communications degree, thinking I might be a journalist or God knows what. Okay. And uh, I was actually a nanny, a, a male nanny at this time. So that was my sort of supplementary income. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, we decided to have a crack at this sort of we go, we've got a space that's been offered to us. Um, let's open a shop. Let's open a, a clothing store. We, we didn't have any clothing, didn't have any fixtures and fittings, didn't have anything, but uh, we're quite resourceful. And I guess the first product that came to mind was that we had this logo, this monogram on our Facebook page, this Homelessness Melbourne logo. And that's obviously become, you know, it's sort of our Nike tick equivalent. You know, that's our, that's our, what we're regarded for. And yeah, so we started to print some of those on some blank tees. Had a number of awesome brands that contacted us and said, hey, We'll give you some product to sell, love what you're doing. Because we initially had this one-for-one sort of initiative. So it was, hey, you come and shop with us and you buy a T-shirt, we'll give a T-shirt. And the way that we would do that is through a VIP shopping day experience, which was kind of a refinement of that experience in, in Fed Square. And what it actually was, was, yeah, essentially a day where we would close the store to the public and we'd invite a local homelessness service to come in and shop for free. So the support staff would come in and, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd have this sort of really nice exchange Again, um, sort of for us, it was like, okay, some good momentum here and we're getting good traction and we're getting some insights around our customer and sales. And we sort of thought, okay, again, though the VIP days aren't solving the issue. And we started to have some, some young people come in. So we had some youth homelessness specific services and it was really interesting. So the feedback was from these young people. I had an amazing time and I just love this brand and I'm, I'm kind of stuck right now in the sense that I've got some stability, but at the same token, I'm just I'm a bit stuck. Like I, I just, I, I need some work experience or, you know, I, I just can't get a job. I've got, I've got nothing on my resume. People make assumptions about me, who, who I'm going to be as a worker, et cetera. And at that point in time, we we're probably, yeah, maybe six months into our journey and it was all voluntary. And, you know, can I come and just do some, you know, shifts with you? And, 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 and we learned together. And then we were able to sort of get business to a point where we could pay staff. And, um, and, and I guess, yeah, it really flowed from that. And we realized that there was this immense opportunity to really complement um, some of the existing infrastructure in, I guess, helping a young person exit homelessness. But one of the biggest gaps was opportunity. And, and I mean, the lack of it. So some insights very quickly, just I guess to paint the picture, you know, youth homelessness is such a big issue that sort of often, you know, there's homelessness, but it's a real spectrum. And, I think they say on any given night in Australia, there's over 120,000 people who experience homelessness, and that's the most recent census. So 7,000 of those live rough. Sorry, thank you. Yeah. Oh, and in terms of when you say people aren't homeless, they're without homes, what kind of length of period are we often seeing people being without homes for? Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a good uh, question. Like homelessness is a really interesting term in that if someone's at risk of homelessness, they're considered to be experiencing homelessness on okay. the census. So people can actually be in, you know, a, a temporary accommodation, you know, situation, couch surfing, sleeping in cars. And that's probably the, the biggest insight is that most homelessness isn't on the streets. So there's about 7,000 people who live on the streets. 
they were living rough. Mm-hmm. But there's over 113,000 then, yeah, couch, stepping, sleeping in cars, oh, temporary wow. accommodation, et cetera. So the biggest issue is actually invisible. And within that number, um, I think it's, it's, it's now over 60% of people experiencing homelessness are 35 and under, and over 40% uh, are 25 and under. So the vast majority of homelessness, and the, the reality of it is it's not an elderly person with the gray hair and beard, you know, it's, it's actually a young person mm. who, who just can't get out of this sort of vicious cycle. And if it sort of continues for a said period, then just the, the likelihood of them actually experiencing it chronically just increases tenfold. And I can imagine having that experience at such a young age can do a lot of psychological damage if they are treated as invisible at that point in their life. Absolutely. I mean, there's just so many contributing factors. Obviously, the biggest one we hear is like affordable housing, but family violence is so prevalent, obviously, with young people. The biggest one, again, that really sucks and we really try and challenge is that people often make assumptions that it's drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's less than 5%, you know, in terms of okay. as a direct contributing factor to that person experiencing homelessness. So most people would automatically assume why someone experiencing homelessness is drugs and alcohol, as did I when I first sort of started to get into this world. But I, I guess that's something that, again, we're really trying to to advocate against because it's just not true okay. and the numbers tell us that so it's just a fascinating insight into into a world that as i say there's so much prejudice and and stigma and and, and yeah this this negative stereotypes perpetuated through you know the mainstream media but i guess um, what i was getting to was that we just found that there's a huge opportunity to work with young people to, to help break that cycle and it comes back to that point around that experience when we were in cambodia it was you know we can't do everything for everyone. We can do something for someone. And what's the best thing that we can possibly do? And we realize that if we can create some structured retail training and employment opportunities uh, and we can sort of complement a, a genuine pathway out of this situation and people can stand on their own two feet, you know, and hold down a job and live independently. And that's amazing. And it's better to try and do that than to try and, I guess, alternatively, you know, provide a Band-Aid solution to the issue. We became very passionate about making sure that that our something for someone was the right someone and it was the right something. We just didn't even anticipate, you know, initially opening a, a, an online store. And in, in hindsight, that should be the first thing we did. You know, <laughs> um, we, we literally were so cavalier and we, we said, yeah, we'll take on a short-term lease that was supposed to last four weeks. It ended up being a year and it's now being, yeah, I think we're entering into our sixth, seventh year. Wow. So no intention at all of, of going down this pathway, but I guess it's just been twofold, warranted because of the need but also because of the appetite from, for people to want to support. And that's really reassuring and that's why we're here talking today. So one physical store? Yes. Yeah, so we had, we had the, um, the, the pop-up shop in, in Melbourne Central and we moved around there for, say, probably half a year or so. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to, yeah, take a bit of a, a leap and it was quite cavalier because it probably, <laughs> um, I'm sure, um, you know, we're now very fortunate to have a, a very sound and, and supportive board of directors. But early days, it was it was just, you know, sort of co-founder activity. And um, we, we took on a lease, you know, with um, with probably just enough money to, to, to warrant it and, and moved out to the corner of Brunswick and Johnson Street. And, and that's been our staple for over five years now. And um, it's obviously such a great location for us. And ultimately, you know, it serves a great purpose in it's such an iconic spot and we get, you know, great interaction with our consumer and direct feedback. But it's also, you know, the primary mechanism for, for that is that it's a safe environment for us to provide the training for our, for our young people. It's a supportive environment um, and we also still host our VIP days there. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's the purpose of why we have a physical store. Social Enterprise Free to Feed connects refugees, people seeking asylum and new migrants to their communities using their skills and their delicious, delicious food. But when COVID hit, these community gatherings weren't possible anymore. By partnering with our packaging supplier, Signet, 
free to feed were able to quickly move to online meal kits, which were boxed up and delivered safely to homes all over Australia. Free to feed keeps on delivering for the community with the help of Signet. Visit signet.net.au forward slash blog to find out more. And how does the training program work? Like, how do you decide who comes through the homey internship and, you know, how do you train them up? Yeah, no, good question. So, look, it it involves a number of stakeholders. So, the way that it works is that we go out to the support services that are already providing, I guess, that primary care. So, you know, supported accommodation, access to mental health care, support work, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing that we actually don't have the capacity or capability to do. So, the important thing to know is that we're really focused on, you know, staying in our lane and ensuring that it's very strength-based. So we go out and we pitch the program to the young people. We then take uh, on expressions of interest and submissions from the young people and their support workers, go through a, a process of shortlisting, interviewing, because we have uh, 12 placements per calendar year. And um, we run uh, an eight-month paid retail internship. So it's called the Pathway Alliance Program. So it works in conjunction with those community partners. But we have 12 young people who uh, undertake a Cert three in retail um, operations that we sort of have co-designed with a local RTO and um, we have um, placements. So we have young people who work in our store, so for young people who work in our store for that for that tenure. And then we're also partnered with some, some big brands, which has which been awesome more recently connecting with brands like Champion and Bonds and and Nike and and Tom Shoes and, and training their staff and their workplaces to be able to provide the infrastructure for these opportunities. So that's, that's been really cool for us is kind of, yeah, again, sort of that two-bed, one-stone approach because it's amazing when, you know, these, these businesses um, perceive these young people to be assets and then they advocate for that and then that sort of encourages, you know, more opportunities. So, so that's kind of the model. So it's an eight-month program. There's a number of parties that support workers and their services. There's obviously ourselves as kind of that broker and sort of mediator between all parties and there's also the employment providers. So it's a nice sort of triple-pronged attack where everyone's sort of playing to their strengths and providing a really comprehensive and quality experience for these young people to learn uh, and be supported out of what is obviously um, been, you know, uh, a challenging time. So it's, it's a genuine pathway. Yeah. And I love those partnerships that you mentioned. And obviously we saw over Christmas, and I think they've been doing it for a couple of years now, the Body Shop Trial yeah. open hiring, we, you know, meaning that anyone who physically was able to do the job and talking in a retail sense, they didn't have CVs, didn't have interviews, if you're physically capable of doing it to, and that, that was to actually give people opportunity. What do you think of that approach? And are you seeing more of that or do you still think it's very limited opportunity for people who don't have yeah. that CV? I, uh, look, I think um, it's, there's, there's a lot of trepidation and there's a lot of anxiety because there's just, you know, fear of the unknown. And that's the, the job of ourselves and, and, you know, the body shop and, and uh, they obviously partner with Launch Housing, who's, who's an incredible sort of national organisation and we work very closely with. And it's incumbent on us to kind of, as I say, really destigmatise that because it's nowhere near as scary as people often, or as, you know, there, there are obviously some material challenges, but a, a lot of the kind of principles, uh, you know, you operate in a strengths-based kind of manner, which, you know, is exactly what that sort of open sort of hiring does, right, is it's focusing on sort of what are the strengths and, that, and then, you know, positively exploiting those. Well, we work very much under the guise of unconditional positive regard at all times and, and meeting underperformance of curiosity so easy, obviously, for you know people to you know make assumptions of oh that's why that person's late or that's you know what what it is. But it's often, as I say, you know that that, that curiosity is is such an important piece to to support someone as opposed to making harsh, brash assessments that are often ill informed. So you know I really hope that 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 does continue, and I think it's amazing when you have 
bigger brands as well. Like obviously, you know, we're growing our business, but to work with some of those larger national and, and some in cases international brands to, to show that they're actually engaging in this, you know, and to take that fear factor away. I hope that breeds, you know, sort of mm-hmm. more buy-in because ultimately retail, the industry itself, is it's the biggest employer of young people and youth homelessness is the most represented group of, of people, you know, who are experiencing it. So, it's the perfect marriage to make. And most of us probably began our professional lives working in, in, in hospitality or retail. It's a launching pad. So you know, I, I really hope to see more. And we see ourselves as very much, fingers crossed, you know, a positive influence in the space and a, a spark that can light the fire. It's so important that there's quality care given, but at the same token, people just need opportunity. You know, it's it's just it's a lack of opportunity. And we've got such a moment right now in this in this sort of recovery from this COVID environment, et cetera, to, to make a statement and to, to really... You know, because these people who are already sort of facing disadvantage have been further mm. sort of impacted by the fact that you've had people who, who weren't experiencing disadvantage who, who, who now are as well, who, who may have had a stable job and uh, a resume and everything else. So it just pushes people even further behind, but they need to be at the forefront and we all need to be at the same start line of that 100-meter sprint. Yeah. And if we've got retailers listening to this or even agencies, it doesn't matter, who are looking to give more people opportunity in their workforce but are going, where do I start? Do you have a practical tip or a part of the old system that you would suggest tearing down to open up that opportunity as like, you know, a, a great barrier just to get started? Oh, look, it's a good question. And I think, you know, we've even sort of ourselves tried to create some some solutions in the sense that we're, we've produced a, an empathetic employer training opportunity where we're a business or an agency or whatnot can actually take that with us. And, and I guess a lot of the principles, you know, they're just often I think we sometimes overcomplicate. Like this is, you know, treating other people how they want to be treated, equal opportunity, as I say, unaffordance of curiosity. A lot of the principles are common sense and logical. Uh, and I just think, I think like the biggest thing that we need to take away is that fear factor and just demonstrate it's not as hard as you think it is. Like, it, yes, certainly, you know, there are some, some um, considerations, um, but, but no one is beyond being able to, to do this. You know, and if we can do this with the finite resourcing that, that we have and, and, you know, we don't have the infrastructure and, and, and all the rest of it, you know, some of these global conglomerates do, well, they can do it. It's mm. just actually, as I say, just, Often there's just trepidation. I guess I'd love to be able to just sort of actually show the reality to as many folk as possible and for them to understand that, as I say, that the numbers actually really contradict the stereotypes. Yeah. And that's just, if more people knew those, you go, oh, wow, okay, that's so different to what I thought it was. So, so that would be my, my, my one, which is like just people actually, yeah, seeing it for what it is. Yeah, versus what they what they think it is, because what it actually is, and the numbers again, you can look at the census. There's information out there that'll demonstrate that all of the stereotypes and the stigma that exists around homelessness is so out of date, and it was never right in the first place. Mm. Yeah, oh, great points. How have you gone translating the homey message online? Because it is a fairly not not convoluted, but it's it's a rich message the homie story and that you're not mm. just selling a t-shirt you're selling you know a community you're selling a message the whole lot mm. how is that translated for you moving online uh a good question and it's such a you know it, it is a challenge because you know an in-person experience you know you're going to get all the feels and there's there's more senses that are heightened through through you know a, a direct exchange because if you come into our store and the program's running not that we have you know advertised on our staff it doesn't say young person experiencing homelessness undertaking program, but you know that that's what we do. And that often when you're being served face to face, 
person who is serving you is benefiting not only from your purchase and the contribution, but also just the actual kind of learning experience in which is, you know, that customer exchange. So, you know, how do you replicate that, that, that feel good component? I think it's, um, you know, the, the content side of things is, is, you know, so important in terms of what we create and what we kind of communicate. And as much as possible, obviously sharing the stories of the successes and, and, and the people, um, that, that have obviously taken it upon themselves to apply themselves to, yeah, really, I guess, better the situation. It's so important to capture that and as much of that as possible, but also to do it in a really dignified manner. You know, it's so important that for these, these people we're working with that we're talking about, you know, focusing on where they're going, not where they've been. But it's so important that people can see that, that you have actually materially contributed. So obviously, as I'm sure you'd see, like our, our Instagram is, you know, kind of laced with both obviously products, you know, but also at all times trying to communicate sort of important information around when our VIP days are, um, content from those days to, to see the faces, to kind of be out of field as much as possible. You know, it can't be 100% the exact same, but I guess it's just the stories and it's, it's the faces and as I say, but at all times, always ensuring that it's strength-based, empowering the young people themselves to want to be able to, you know, support that next cohort who will come through. The other thing that we do, I think, which is quite unique is that, you know, a lot of our models and shoots and ranges, you know, they often include, um, you know, a mm. lot of diversity, but also a lot of time our young people in our program. It's amazing for them to kind of be like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. I'm, you know, not only am I going to work today but in the shop, but I'm going to be part of the shoot and be online today and to see myself as part of this brand. That's awesome. And obviously, you know, that's, again, we don't actively promote that, that, hey, this person in this photo is, is, is from this background, but you know, that's what we do. Hmm. So as much as possible, it's providing those outlets and those opportunities for, for our beneficiaries to really be front and center, but in a dignified manner. So I guess that's kind of, you know, the, the approach that we've taken. But it's interesting, like I think we often find, which is, is really telling, when we do a post, um, you know, a fashion post, which always gets pretty decent traction on our Instagram, you know, it gets a good amount of sort of, you know, views and, and whatnot. When we post about our stories close, say, for our VIP day, you know, it gets 10 times the traction, which is so telling us that people really value the information. So we've got to make sure at all times there's a frequency to that and we bring them up to date with how it's going. So again, it's actually accountability. So probably the biggest thing in terms of promoting our message and then the impact is just to be accountable to our stakeholders, which is our customers. So that's probably the way in which we view it is that this is, you have enabled this to transpire. So to make sure that that's felt as much as possible and they have access to that. So that's, that's the, you know, the, the principle. And I think it translates into a shopper's experience as well, because the word that I'd use to describe it is interesting. So mm. every image that I feel you're in there, whether it's on the website or Instagram, is like, I'm interested in so much of this journey. Like, I'm interested in the product because especially the Reborn range, it's out there and it's like, it's stuff you've never seen before. Yeah, and yeah, so I want to know more about how it's made and what it's made of and where the material came from. I want to yeah. know more about the model in there. What's their story? They look like... Like, you know, they've got a great story and you can obviously see that they're presenting a positive light with a lot of opportunity ahead of them. And just visually and design-wise, it's not done in a lazy way. Mm. It's really creative as well. So I think you've taken the shopper on a great journey there as well. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I really appreciate that feedback. And I think, again, it sort of harks back to the way that we do things, right, in the sense that like, everything is quality. Like we work with a small group of people, you know, and it's actually deep impact and high touch work, but it's quality, it's comprehensive, it's collaborative. And that translates across to everything we do as an organisation. So 
we'll just never do something half cooked, you know, half half because we, you know, we, we owe it to our, you know, our consumers and our community um, to give them, you know, quality because um, that's what we expect of ourselves. So um, it definitely underpins and that's something we're really proud of is that we really have tried to consciously not bite off more than we can chew with anything just to ensure that whatever we're doing, you know, that there is just consideration behind it and care because that's what actually creates the change, you know, mm. both from, you know, hopefully return customer, you know, sort of, um, purchasing, but also creates change in someone's life is that it's genuine care and it's not, to say, sort of a, you know, a temporary focus. It's, it's it, you need to follow through with everything. So that goes yeah. for our programs and our products. And I bet that's not always easy to stick by. There, there would be temptation to go the quick and easy route sometimes, especially when you're doing a business for good. There might be cash flow issues as you're trying to, you know, create as much cash flow as possible to make as big an impact as possible. I bet it's sometimes mm. hard to kind of stick to that. Oh, there's absolutely opportunities that do present and, you know, they're amazing in another world, but they sometimes just contradict our sort of, you know, our, our core values, you know, and, and we have had to say no to, you know, some, some amazing opportunities that just, they don't align and you just have to really stick to your guns there. And I think, again, though, that sort of harks back to strengthening your brand and the authenticity that you build. And it's probably more chilling opportunities that you pass up than the ones that you actually take upon. So, yes, it's, it's, it's a really good point. Sometimes it's like, a, oh, that would have been amazing. But uh, at the same token, Again, I think that's what hopefully our consumers value is that, you know, we're at all times that are really considered um, in, in our approach. So, yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword sometimes, isn't it? But um, I think longer term, it, it, it will pay its dividends, um, pardon the pun, talking about cash flow, et cetera. <laughs> that's very smart. Now, you've spoken to a few things there, but what are you most excited about for what's coming up for yourself and homie? Oh, that's a great question. Look, I think... Um, for us, yeah, we're, we're starting to knock on the door of some some awesome collaborators, uh, and both from a product perspective, but also, um, as I say, from that from that employment pathway kind of opportunity. And I think um, it's just amazing to think that we're getting on the radar of some of the biggest brands in the world who are coming to us to say, "Hey, we want to increase our diversity and inclusion, and, and and you know, provide some some opportunities." And how do you do it? And that's just a bit surreal. So I think. Um, it's probably twofold. It's 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 the growth of you know the brand and the business, which you know we we still have heavy aspirations. You say we're very Melbourne orientated. We want to be a household name in, in the country, and you know the awesome with that expanded beyond that because this program and this approach, you know, it, it's actually a real solution. It's not the whole solution, obviously, but it's a really important piece of the puzzle to actually tackle homelessness. And it, it is it is possible, you know, um, it, it truly is with, with with you know the support services that exist. They are under-resourced and the demand is, is so significant. But fundamentally, like to change someone's life for good, you know, at a critical time, you just can't compromise on quality and care. So I think the fact that we stick to our guns there and I'm really proud of that and that's actually getting traction is really encouraging for us. But, um, yeah, I'm just most excited about, as I say, sort of being known for not what we do but the way we do it. Uh, I think that's that's what I'd love our legacy to be and my legacy to be is that, you know, it was a way in which they went about it was the right way. I'm not talking about past tense like we've just kind of, you know, <laughs> gone under or don't exist anymore, but I just would love to be regarded for that and just be respected for that. I think that would be awesome, you know, beyond anything. Yeah, no doubt. And you've got that respect. You've built this from the ground up, authenticity at the core. Really excited to see where you can take it, especially on that national scale. If people listen to this and they're like, I'd love to partner with you, I'd love to learn more about the um, employer training, mm. how can people get in touch? 
Yeah, look, I mean, the website, as you said, hopefully is, is, is intuitive enough. Um, there's certainly, I guess, um, you can sort of follow the yellow brick road that's been, been carved out for you on the website. We'd love to hear from uh, any potential businesses that might want to collaborate on the program side of things or interested to learn more about the employment training. And yeah, I, I just really encourage you to have a look around as you've done, Nathan, and, you know, just uncover some of the, the gems that we have on that side. I'd, I'd really lead people, um, to, to, to the um, impacts side of things and to, you know, there's some great videos there, which I think are really powerful. So, you know, head over to our mission tab in particular and you'll learn all about our why and, and what we've been able to do to date. And yeah, I'd love for you to get in touch. Yeah, follow the prompts or otherwise just email me at nickathomey.com.au. I'm always happy to have a chat. Good stuff. And that website is homey.com.au. Nick, thank you so much for joining us on Add to Car. You've definitely opened my eyes up and made me more aware of creating that opportunity for people in need, especially around youth and homelessness. Um, so thank you for sharing with us. Oh, thanks, Happy Nathan. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate all the care you've given to yeah, preparing this interview and all the amazing questions. So um, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. What an amazing story. I love when someone comes and shakes you out of your comfort zone and introduces you to a whole world that you may know is out there but not understand properly. And Nick certainly did that, or at least started to do that for me today. Bit of side goss, actually. Nick's partner, Danny, who he mentioned, is the famous Danny Holloway, founder of The Merry People, who we had a chat with back in episode 22. Now, I don't feel so bad that their bub was born into a Tigers and Pies family because he's going to have some seriously good founders for parents to make up for his AFL teams. All right, here are the three lessons I took out of our conversation with Nick. Number one, gorilla coolness. Nick and Marcus never wanted to shove homelessness in people's faces. They didn't want to force people to care. And as Nick said, they didn't want to be that person rattling and sitting on the corner. But they used fashion as their Trojan horse. They wanted to make something creative, something cool that people naturally gravitated towards. And that gave them permission to then share their story. It's brilliant from a marketing perspective and worth thinking about what guerrilla tactics or Trojan horses, whatever term you use, you could be using to entice people into your story and make them care as much as you do. Number two, accessibility baseline. Nick spoke about the importance of website accessibility and how that is a barrier that all of us in e-commerce can take some kind of control in as a starting point. The tool he mentioned was UserWay, U-S-E-R-W-A-Y. It's used by companies from Coke to Walmart to eBay and looks like it starts from around $490 US per year. You can find them at userway.org, worth checking out. Number three, saying no to opportunity. It's one of the hardest things to do in business, especially for social enterprises. But Nick and Marcus so focused on their North Star of quality, creativity, and authenticity that they've had to say no to lots of opportunities that may bring short-term cash or connections. But in doing so, they've been able to maintain their ideals and ultimately their appeal to much larger opportunities such as Nike, Disney, or Champion. Kind of heard of those names. Saying no isn't a bad thing. It's actually a superpower. To finish up, I have three resources for you. Firstly, if you're a first-time listener of Add to Cart and you want to stay up to date with new episodes, head over to addtocart.com.au 
and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. We'll let you know every time a new episode drops, as well as giving you my three takeaways from each episode and a link to the transcripts so you can know that this is an episode that you want to dive straight into. Secondly, if you want a weekly roundup of the best e-commerce case studies, tools, and research, sign up to the High Five Friday newsletter, which is delivered to inboxes at 8 a.m. every Friday morning. I read all the e-commerce news and send you the bits that I think you can take action from. Sign up at 12high12high.com.au forward slash high five. And the last thing, if you are looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, head over to esuitetalent.com.au. We are a dedicated e-commerce talent agency connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands. Check it out, sign up to the email and get in touch with me if you want to discuss your next move. Until next time, thanks for listening and keep those customers adding to cart.